We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. February 4th, 2021, two days before the second happiest days of my day of my life, excuse me, that of course is February 6th, 2011, when the Green Bay Packers took home the Lombardi Trophy. Uh, but today is not February 6th, it's February 4th. And as we record this, it is National Girls and Women's Day in Sports. So we want to give a shout out to our co-hosts that could not make it tonight. The wonderful Maggie Loney. Maggie, we love you and we appreciate everything that you do for us on this show and basically keeping us two idiots in line. But she is taking care of some stuff tonight. So you are stuck with Weenie 1 and Weenie 2 as we <laughs> became uh, infamously known on the Jamal Williams show over at Game On Wisconsin. I'm your host tonight. I'm Jacob Westendorf. I am back uh, last week. I was gone, and I believe, Jimmy, the way I described it to you is everyone at work is incompetent. Yeah. So that is, <laughs> that is why I missed last week's episode. Uh, I was a little angry, and I spoke in some anger, but uh, I'm good to go now. So we're back, and Jimmy's here. Jimmy, how are you feeling? Pretty good. You're lucky you, you live in uh, Illinois, so no, no one you work with listens to a Packer podcast, but... Uh, yeah, no, I feel I'm feeling good. Uh, I'm trying to be as positive this week, even though obviously the Super Bowl coming up still is like a little bit of salt in the wound. But 
Uh, can't complain besides that. I'm ex- it's I'm a, it's weird right now. I'm excited to watch a Super Bowl because it's a Super Bowl, but it also breaks my heart every time I think about it. Yeah, and it marks the end of it's a bittersweet thing, right? Because the Super Bowl is a really fun event, but it marks the end of the NFL season. And unfortunately, now for the 10th straight year, the Packers will not be playing in it. Uh, that honor, of course, belongs to the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you guys will be watching that. But we figured instead of being negative and talking about how the Bucks and the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl, which means the Packers are not, talking about Mike Pettin getting let go, all that good stuff, we figured we'd bring a little positive to your airwaves today. But first, I do want to start. We did ask for some questions. And one of the interesting ones we got was from Jake Engel. And he says, probably unrealistic. So let me start by saying I love dealing in unrealistic timelines. So I am totally okay with that being part of the question. But he says, let's say Goody and Russ Ball work some cat magic. Who would you rather have on the Packers next season? J.J. Watt or Aaron Jones? Now, this is a one-season deal. So you can't talk about how a running back deals never age well or something like that. But I'm asking you, Jimmy, J.J. Watt or Aaron Jones in 2021? I would I would have to go honestly, and this is just the homer in me. I'm gonna go with JJ Watt. Uh for the sole reason of our offense was dynamic, even those a couple games where a- uh Aaron Jones missed. AJ Dillon had a, a strong game against Tennessee. You know my love for Jamal. And I think having JJ Watt on that defensive line would just add uh, another level that we were kind of missing this year and get those uh pressures as Mike Smith likes to say. And it'd be great to see him in green and gold and being on a winning team rather than whatever the Texans organization is right now. JJ Watt was one of my initial draft crushes, like one of my first ever draft crushes, which (laughs) explains why later on, one of my draft crushes, of course, was his brother TJ, but we're not going to get into that. That (laughs) Beaten, cremated, poured out into the river, picked back up, put back to life, beaten to death again, and then cremated again. So we're not going to do that, but a potential front four, of Zadarius Smith, Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark, and J.J. Watt, that sends tingles down your spine because (laughs) J.J. Watt was legitimately good last year. It's not just a name brand. If he can be to this team what Julius Peppers was for his contract, and I think that's the kind of comparison you're making, a Hall of Fame kind of player coming to Green Bay, and obviously you have the local ties and everything like that that comes to him, which everybody will love, which me – my thing is he's still good. So I don't yeah. really, he could be from Timbuktu for all I care. He's still good. <laughs> and I honestly think, you know, if you look at the Packers defensive line right now, it's Kenny Clark, Kingsley Kiki and Dean Lowry. And then the undrafteds and the roster practice squad fodder types. If you're assuming Dean Lowry gets released, which is an okay assumption at this point, I think then it's Clark and Kiki. Not a bad start, but you need more than two guys. And yep. if you start looking at you know the draft and everything like that, it usually takes a while for a defensive lineman to make an impact. So I think if you can add a guy like Watt, and again, this is hypothetical. I'm not a capologist. I'm not anybody like that. So I have no idea how this would work from a salary standpoint. And frankly, the question said it's probably unrealistic, so I don't have to care about that anymore. But... <laughs> You can add a guy like Watt, bring back a veteran one-dimensional run defense type like Quentin Dial was for years or Snacks Harrison was this past year. And if you're starting going into the draft with Clark, Watt, Kiki, 
and the run defender guy that I'm talking about. You can then draft a guy, bring him along slowly, like they kind of like to do with rookies anyways, and feel really good about your front four pass rush getting after the quarterback. And that doesn't even include the possibility of adding another edge guy, some linebackers they could have, and the new defensive coordinator will obviously dictate a lot of these different things, which right now, Jimmy, I don't know how much you've looked into who they've interviewed or anything like that, but if you had to guess right now, let's make a bold prediction because by the time the next time we record, I'm going to go ahead and guess they've hired a defensive coordinator. Yeah. Who do you think it's going to be? I'm not uh, – I try to stay out of this stuff and just wait till they hire someone because – I don't know. I don't want to waste my time looking into all these people just because I, I know nothing about what the Packers are going to do. But I could see uh, – I don't know. I wouldn't mind them looking within the organization and bringing uh, – kind of promoting either Mike Smith or uh, Gray up to the defensive coordinator. Okay. I, I tend to think they're going to go outside of the org. Yeah, uh, I think they'll try and keep those guys in their position roles because that's the weird part about the Packers defense is you feel really good about a lot of their position coaches. You like Jerry Montgomery as a defensive line coach. You love Mike Smith, obviously. You love Jerry Gray. But when you bring in a new coordinator, they tend to bring in their own guys. I said the other day, if I had to make a bet, and I know nothing. This is not a sourced report or anything like that. I am uh, not going to claim sources that I do not have. But if I had to make a guess based on who they've interviewed, uh, I would guess Ejiro Evers, and I'm sorry if I butchered that name, or uh, Jim Leonard, the defensive coordinator from Wisconsin. I just think the the learning curve gets a little bit flattened. Is that the right way to word that? If, if it's Leonard, because he played for Patton, it'll be a similar system, and he has done a good job at Wisconsin. The one question that I would have, and I have tweeted this out before, is yes, he's working with inferior talent, He's also playing against some inferior talent with some yeah. of those defensive games. Like nothing against these schools, but nobody's going to mistake Northwestern and Minnesota and Rutgers and teams like that for offensive powerhouses. That being said, there's a lot of people that seem to think he's really smart. And let's be honest, guys, we're going to talk ourselves into whoever the hell they hire as a defensive <laughs> coordinator next season. So that's where that's going to be. So, so that was it. You say we're going to talk ourselves into it, but there's also going to be that group of people that just no matter what bash it. Like it's going to be one of those things where Packers Twitter is going to be in flames regardless of what happens. And I will say this, that will be even more true if with Badger Packers Twitter, if they don't hire Jim Leonard, if even if it comes out that like Leonard didn't want the job or whatever, Badger Packer Twitter is an interesting place because, (laughs) you know, that's where obviously the TJ Watt thing works. But, you know, Jimmy, you and I didn't know each other six years ago. But when Jared Abraderis was on the roster, you know, the questions would surface of how is Abraderis not playing instead of Devontae Adams? And obviously Adams had a rough season (laughs) that year. But, I mean, there's stuff like that that exists all the time. And college football fans in general are very, very loyal to the players that played at their school. That's why – there are Michigan fans that root for Tom Brady. I'm not one of them, but there are quite a few people like that as an example. So that was one question that I found interesting. Uh, The other one that we have in here is, and this is going to be a good one. uh, Ian Ewing at, Oh, that was horrible. Ian Ewing asked, (laughs) what do you guys think is the best way to solve the cornerback dilemma? Big. uh, If they take a cornerback in round one, chances are they won't make that big of an impact, and there's not much money to spend in free agency, and then ends with, can Kadar Holman make a jump? And I got to give you credit. Uh, That is very much a 
NFL beat writer question from the standpoint of you asked like four questions within one. So kudos to him. That was, <laughs> that was awesome. Good for you on that. And I'm as guilty of that as anybody else, but it was, it, I just thought that was funny. As far as Kadar Holman, I wouldn't, if they're counting on him to be a starter, I think they've made a mistake in the off season or something very bad happened. Kadar Holman was a healthy scratch down the stretch along with uh, Josh Jackson gets all this flack for being a healthy scratch and deservedly. So he's a higher pick. Kadar Holman was also a healthy scratch going into a playoff game. They had Kavari Russell elevated from the practice squad and they trusted him largely due to special teams. But if you think about it, if Kevin King rolls his ankle, I have no idea what they were going to do at the cornerback position in a playoff game like that. Cause the only active yeah. corners that they had were Russell King Sullivan and Alexander. Yeah. So I remember after the Ladarius Gunter NFC Championship game, the way that Ross Uglum always put this was, this is a year where you draft one and you sign one. So you sign a veteran as a stopgap. Think something similar of the Tremont Williams type of signing from a couple of years ago. Not him specifically, but maybe someone a little younger. I can't give you a specific name because one, I don't know the list of free agents that are to be. I don't know what their markets are going to look like. And two, there are going to be more players that become available. One name I do know that has been floated out as a potential cap casualty is A.J. Bouye. That would be interesting, but I admittedly haven't watched him play a ton since he left Jacksonville a couple of seasons ago. So that's one, but I do think they have to invest in that position higher in the draft, uh, whether that's a first or second round pick, and that's going to cause a lot of Packer fans to roll their eyes because they've spent 10,000 picks on cornerbacks in these last couple of years and it just hasn't worked out. But I think that's the route that they have to take if they can. You know, the salary cap right now is a big unknown. I know we've seen reports that it'll be around 180. The general stance that I am taking is until I know the number, I'm not going to bother evaluating what the cap is because we won't know until the middle of March. And once you know in the middle of March, I think you can have you can have a decent idea of where things are at. Obviously, we know the floor the floor is going to be 175. Remains to be seen if it'll go as low as 175. As of this year, it was 198. So we'll see what happens. But I'm not going to evaluate stuff on the salary cap because I think it really is just guesswork uh, from that standpoint. And frankly, I don't want to put in a ton of work and find out that, hey, it's actually $15 million <laughs> higher than what I thought it was going to be. So yeah. that's my thought on the corner position. Jimmy, what about you? Yeah, no, I'm the exact same. I think investing high in the draft, um, whether it's first or second round, and then there's going to be a lot of cap casualties this year with, as you mentioned, it's going to all signs point to it dipping to what number we don't know, but there's going to be people let go from teams that um, have to find cap somehow. So um, waiting to see maybe a veteran that gets released, that's willing to take a, a shorter deal um, just to kind of go play for a contender. There's always players like that. So I would, I would hundred percent agree with it invest in the draft first, second round, and then bring in a veteran kind of, and if that top pick pans out and is an impact player the first year, then fantastic. And then if not, you have someone there to kind of hold the position down for a year and let the the rookie develop. And that's typically what they've done. You know, one of Brian Gutekunst's <laughs> philosophies has been to have veterans in place and see, you know, Elton Jenkins didn't start immediately. Mm-hmm. He had to beat out Lane Taylor and eventually Lane Taylor got hurt. But that's the way they did things was Jen- the only day one starter, day one of training camp starter they've had that's a rookie is Darnell Savage. That's it. Everyone else, even Jair Alexander, sat behind Devon House and Tremont Williams for a while before 
eventually, obviously, it was it was too obvious that he was ready to roll. So they put him on the field. Last question that we had, and then we'll get into our main topic for the night. What comes from Ben Saylor, and he says, did the lack of consistent hybrid safety linebacker, so the Raven Green type, hurt Patton's performance in a significant way? It seemed like that position got talked about a bit as being important in a scheme when he started, but he, I could be making things up. Well, kudos for one for admitting that you could be making things up. Uh, second of all, I think that mattered. You know, the problem that Green Bay had was their nickel safety, if you will, or their hybrid linebacker after Raven Green was Will Redmond. And Will Redmond is going to live in Packers lore for the next couple of years because everybody's going to remember he dropped an interception. Uh, yeah. dropped is even not even the right way to say it. Cause he just flat whiffed on it Yeah, before the Scotty Miller touchdown in the NFC championship game. And you know, Redmond has a nice story. He's done some cool things. He's a pretty good special teams player, but he's not somebody that you want on the field a lot on defense. And unfortunately that's the role that the Packers are in. And when you're in these specialized roles like that, it's hard to find guys that play that position and play them well. So I think it mattered ultimately when it comes to Mike Pettin. I just think that there were too many signs that it just wasn't going to work with him and Matt LaFleur. And let's be honest. I mean, Pettin was never great as a defensive coordinator. Uh, Ross Uglum did his thing for Packer Report and said, like, you know, the first season, everybody was like, oh, my God, he's so good. Like, everything's so much better on the defense. They finished 29th in DVOA. There's 32 teams that season as far as defense. Now, you grade that on a bit of a curve because he was – rushing guys like the end of Clay Matthews' career and Nick Perry, whose body has just given out on him. And Ibrahim Campbell was playing a lot of snaps. And there are guys, I looked back at that roster the other day, and I didn't even remember some of those dudes being on the team. But they were, and they're playing significant minutes. That being said, when you go from there and then you invest a billion dollars in free agency and two first-round picks and the defense never finishes higher than 15th, which is dead on average, yeah. That leaves a little bit to be desired, and that ultimately is what I think was Mike Pettin's demise was, and I know games in the NFL aren't played like this anymore, but if the Packers needed to win a game 21-17, to I don't think they could, and I think they want something more for their defense, and I give them credit because it would have been easy to say that. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The defense played well down the stretch. They did this. They did that. We want the continuity, blah, blah, blah. But they're searching for greatness. And that's something I would like to see 
with the new defensive coordinator, and I know that's not our topic or the question necessarily, but with the new defensive coordinator, I would like for the defense to strive for more than just good enough. Like I, I don't like hearing the defensive players say like, we do, we got Aaron Rodgers." It's like, well, yeah, that's awesome. And obviously having the league MVP is a great thing to have on your side, but I would like for this defense to be able to think back to the 2010 NFC championship game. Rogers stunk up the place. They scored 14 points and green Bay, on offense and green Bay won. That's the kind of defense I think they need to try and put together. So to answer your question, I do think it, it didn't help, but in the end, Patton didn't help himself either. What are your thoughts there, Jim? Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more with a credit karma money spend account. You can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Yeah, it like you said, it didn't help. And the thing is, we saw what it was like in the two ni- 2019 season. Raven Green was hurt, and we saw what Will Redmond did at that position, and it wasn't addressed going into the 2020 season. So that's kind of on them at that point. Like if that is such a pivotal or an important part to the defense, then that should have been something that was addressed going into the next year because we saw what happened again with Raven Green struggle with injuries, ended up being placed on IR later in the season and missed the rest of the year. And we had to rely heavily on Will Redmond again, who had that infamous, terrible timed interception. Um, but <clears throat> I think it, it probably hurt the defense, but that kind of was them shooting themselves in their their own foot by not addressing that during the offseason. Yeah, and that's where if you want to cry over spilled milk, you just wonder how different could it have been if Antoine Winfield was playing for Green Bay instead. I know he didn't play in a championship game, but yeah playing for Green Bay instead of Tampa Bay. But we're not here to bring up the negative. I'm not in the mood for drama, Jason, as the former Packers coach Mike McCarthy may like to say. We're here to talk about some positive stuff. So, Jimmy, what we did was we removed the obvious. And by the obvious, I mean if I ask people, what were your favorite wins from this season? Everybody's going to say, okay, the Saints, the Titans, and the Rams. So we took those out of the equation because – then we're really just asking each other to pick two games. And I didn't think that was very fun. So we have our list of top five wins from this season that we enjoyed the most and why. So let's start, Jimmy, with you at number five. Number five. Oh, so you even you even stepped up and ordered these things. Um, I, I have an order in my head, so that's fine. I'll go with that. And I, I'm going to start off with kind of uh, cheating a little bit. And I know we went with the top five wins. And this one actually wasn't a win in the game, but I think it was a – Big boost for team morale a little bit. It was nice to see. <clears throat> I actually picked our loss against uh, the Indianapolis Colts for for one of the games just because we were facing a contender, another playoff team. And um, 
excuse me, had something in my throat. So we were facing another playoff team, and we started off really hot. The Colts came back and took a lead. And we saw a lot of the times with the Packers where when that happened, they kind of just self-imploded. But they battled back. Uh, Unfortunately, we had that MVS fumble in overtime, and we saw a lot of people just bash on MVS. And you kind of saw the team come around him and kind of build him back up. So I think it was a a big boost for team morale at that point. Everyone kind of got a little bit closer, even though it was already a close team. They went on a a great run the rest of the year. Um, But it was just nice to see everyone come together at that point. And it was nice to see our team come back after already getting having a second half deficit and battle to take it into overtime. Because as I already mentioned, there's so many times where we saw the Packers get behind and then it was just like, well, they don't really have that grit to bring it back. And that was the time where we saw it. They just fell a little bit short. So I cheated on the first one, but that was a game for me this season. Yeah. One of the bigger differences between year one of Matt LaFleur and year two is that the Tampa Bay game, the first one this year, obviously aside, but last year when they lost, they really lost and they lost by a lot this year. If this year's championship game was played last year, when Tampa goes up 28 to 10, the final score of that game is 55 to 10. This year it wasn't, obviously, and that kind of makes it a little more heartbreaking, but that's beside the point. Uh, But I do like that you cheated, but eh, whatever, we'll let it go. (laughs) My number's not here to keep us in line. We can break the rules a little bit. (laughs) That's right. So uh, my number five is at Detroit. Uh, it was an interesting game from kind of the start, the the Devontae Adams front shoulder, because it wasn't really a back shoulder uh, throw for the first big touchdown of the game. It was a game that clinched the NFC North title, which is something the Packers like to accomplish early. And it really was a good chance for a letdown game after beating Philadelphia, getting in that position, and then playing uh, the Titans in you know two weeks after that. It was just a good spot for something like that to potentially happen, and thankfully it didn't. Uh, Green Bay was able to get a win, preserve that NFC North title, and it was the first of what we hoped were three titles that they won this season. Obviously, it didn't work out that way. But, you know, I look back and think about it wasn't the prettiest game, but they did enough. They were efficient on offense. You know, Robert Tunyon scored a touchdown, which was obviously a big deal. They clinched. Uh, the North on a play-action boot to him, which was a big deal. They had a lot of different stuff kind of going their way by that point in the season. So that's what I picked for number five. Number four, I went with the Monday night performance against Atlanta. And the reason I picked this game was I remember my Twitter machine that day. First, we were all arguing about whether or not Devontae Adams should play or not. Adams (laughs) tweets before the game starts that he's not going to be out there, all that good stuff. And then everybody's like, oh, my God, how are they going to score? Adams isn't going to play. You've got Atlanta's got a really good offense with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and all that stuff. Well, Julio ended up getting hurt again that night. The Packers defense was actually pretty good that night. They did enough to slow down what is a pretty good Atlanta offense. And Robert Tunyon had a huge night. Jamal Williams had a huge night. They were able, and one of my favorite points of that game is when they ran a simple play, uh, an inside run, and uh, they brought Malik Taylor in motion and Rogers like fake the throw to him. And you could see Deion Jones had, and Deion Jones, a really good linebacker, no idea where the ball was. And it should have been like a four yard gain. And it turned into like a 14 yard gain. It was just a, a great night. And it kind of gave you that glimpse of, okay, you know, if green Bay doesn't have some of their dudes, they could still play, which I'd like to remind everybody, the Packers are undefeated under Matt LaFleur when Devonte Adams doesn't play. Now, I'm not saying that they're better without Adams or anything stupid like that. It's just 
keep that in mind if he misses some time next season that yes, you always want 17 on the field, but they're going to be okay. That kind of thing. So I, I went that route. It was nice to see. Um, and then we got some really good sound clips from Jamal Williams after that game the following week too, getting uh, <laughs> some of the trash talk stuff that was going on throughout the course of that game. So that was funny too. Absolutely. Um, I have that one on my list. That one's a little bit higher. So the one that I had at number four was our, I don't even want to call it a revenge game because they were missing a bunch of players, but our victory over um, the 49ers just because of what happened in 2019, them um, completely just kicking our butts those two games, but just Aaron Jones came back from that injury. He was going to be under a, a limited workload and ended up having a full workload. And then Devonte Adams, 173 yards and a touchdown Rogers finished with four touchdowns. So it was just MVS had two. So it was just cool to see them kind of go into um, this game against him and kind of get a little bit of revenge against the 49ers. Uh, obviously it was their B team, but anytime we'll beat the 49ers at this point, I'm a happy camper. So I put that one in my top five. And coming off of a, a big, you know, a disappointing loss against Minnesota, I think a lot of people were like, okay, if San Francisco has a running back, they're just going to run wild over the Packers and they're going to be in a lot of trouble yeah. again. And they weren't Green Bay blew them out of the water. It was 31 to three at one point <laughs> through the course of that game uh, for number three. I went with Green Bay's win over the Houston Texans. And I picked that one because it was a bounce back game. It was after they lost to Tampa Bay. Everybody was kind of freaking out because Kevin King wasn't playing. How are the Packers going to slow down this offense with Deshaun Watson? And they did. They just – and Rodgers to Adams was absolutely special that day. It was Jamal Williams' first start of the season, uh, his first touchdown, obviously, as well in that year. So that was nice to see. But that game was all about 12 to 17. Some of the best highlights from the season come from that game. And watching the Texans just kind of go into turmoil uh, with Deshaun Watson is really – it kind of gives you that – thankfulness for everybody said that says the Packers are wasting Aaron Rodgers. I would look into Houston, man, that team sucks and they have Deshaun Watson and it is hard to be bad when you have Deshaun Watson, who in my opinion is the third best quarterback in the NFL. Like, I mean, it is hard to be bad when you have that on their side, but they did. And it was fun to watch. So that was my pick for number three. Yeah, so my third pick, going back to the one that you picked for number four, was uh, our win against the Falcons. Uh, I had a little bit of um, personal satisfaction in my uh, my cousin's a big Falcons fan in Atlanta and talked a lot of trash when they beat us in 2016. So anytime we get a chance to beat them, I'm happy as well. Um, but it was just so many great individual performances. Robert Tunyon decided to do a somersault on the way to a touchdown. Uh, Jamal finished with 95 receiving yards. Uh, his career high. King and Alexander shut down Julio and Ridley. Zadarius ended up with a few sacks. So it was just a, a huge overall team win. Uh, so it, offense and defense, one of the times where um, in early in the season, we didn't really see a lot of that. It was a lot of offense. So seeing the defense step up early in the season was great. So that was one of mine. Brought a lot of joy to my heart to be able to text my cousin and say some uh, things I won't say on here. But I, I was, it was great. All right, what do you have for number two? Number two for this one, I did week one against the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, coming into this one, I st stupidly was nervous just because the Vikings, I didn't know how they were going to be. Their defense always gives us trouble. Dalvin Cook's a monster, and we were just, that was our first game after just getting ran all over by uh, the 49ers. But we came out, and our offense was on fire with just Rodgers throwing over 300 yards, uh, finishing the game with four touchdowns again. It was that game was just beautiful. Devontae Adams just 
first game of the season, just put himself as that top wide receiver with 156 yards and two touchdowns. And whenever you're doing that against a division rival, especially one um, that I hate as much as Minnesota and all the trash talk that goes into it. And it was, uh, it was a great way to start off the season on such a high note and showing, especially after the off season of we're wasting Rogers talent. He's going to be done after this year, all that just garbage. It was great to see the offense come out and score over 40 points against the Vikings. That it was. And I went uh, with a division rival, but I picked a different game for my number two. I went with the home game against the Chicago Bears, the complete drubbing that was a 41 to 10, um, (laughs) 41 to 10. Just it was that at one point and watching Aaron Rodgers just roll everything up against his team, the deep ball to Tunyon, the third and 10 to Devontae Adams for the first touchdown. They ran the ball down their throats. It was, and it was coming off of that loss that you were talking about. It would have been easy for Green Bay's response to be eking one out. And they did do that. Instead, they came out and they dominated a team that they were clearly better than. Preston Smith had a big night. I remember that night I did uh, the pre-snap with you guys. Yeah. You and Alex Strofe, and I said, for big nights, um, <laughs> I, I picked Preston Smith and Darnell Savage. And Preston Smith had a touchdown. Darnell Savage had two picks. And that was really the breaking point, if you will, of Darnell Savage's ascension throughout the course of the final portion of the regular season to where I think he's – I am irrationally excited about this dude for the 2021 season. I just think he's going to be a monster. And I look forward to seeing how whoever the new defensive coordinator is uses him in that role. But I picked Green Bay at home against Chicago uh, just because – and not only that, I live in Illinois. Beating up on the Bears is always fun. Number one, we do have different ones. So that is interesting. Mine is the one that you've already mentioned at Minnesota. And that was the first time when you were like, okay, maybe the – because you heard all offseason, Minnesota is the team to beat. They're the most complete team in the division. Green Bay didn't add anything to their offense. How's their offense going to be any better? And I remember the moment it like clicked and the moment it clicked was Rogers first touchdown pass to Devontae Adams, where he rolls to his right and just throws a laser into the right corner of the end zone. And I was like, that was vintage Aaron Rodgers. Like that was, and we haven't seen that in a while. You know, I mean, we hadn't, or I shouldn't say hadn't seen that in a while, you know, for everybody that's like, Oh my God, how could you have ever thought, Aaron Rodgers was washed up to where you could pick a quarterback. I advise all of you go back and watch the Packers play last December in 2019. Just watch the games and maybe you'll make excuses for him. And some of those are valid, but there were some things he just legitimately wasn't good. And there was at least a fair question. Why did green Bay pick a backup quarterback? I think they had a reasonable thought at the time that maybe Rodgers was starting to decline. And after that game, it was very obvious. You got MVS, scoring a big touchdown. Alan Lazard should have scored a big touchdown, but he got, well, he ended up scoring eventually, but he got tripped by the turf monster. Uh, The running backs did, did their thing. And the offense just looked like Matt LaFleur's vision of this offense. Efficient. They moved the ball all over. Jair Alexander kind of announces himself to the world as I'm that guy. And he doesn't really look back after that. Teams pretty much stopped throwing at him after that first game, because that makes sense. Other than, Tom Brady apparently decided throwing at 23 was a good idea and he caught the ball twice. So (laughs) yeah, good for Jair on that, but beating Minnesota early. I remember I I posted something after the game of like, ah, most complete team in the division or something like that. That's cute. Enjoy. Owen one green Bay was on their way after that one and seeing that their offense was able to do that because they weren't 
able to do that the prior season. So that was fun to watch. So I'm interested to see where your number one lies. So go ahead. Yeah, so I went uh, again with the division rival, but I went with our Week 17 matchup against the Bears uh, at Soldier Field, just clinching that number one spot, uh, just because there was that weird thing that somehow the Seahawks could end up with it with wins and losses from Saints, Seahawks, Packers, all that stuff. But just beating the Bears, clinching that number one spot, the only buy in the NFC. Um, and it was kind of just a normal – I've said this like – three times already for these games. Rodgers finished with four touchdowns. Uh, MVS, looking back at 2019, he had the game against the Bears where he dropped that deep ball uh, and was benched the rest of the game. And he had a 72-yard pass on that one. He did end up dropping a touchdown, but still he he stepped up big. And it was cool to see him kind of get a little bit of revenge against the Bears. And just clinching the number one spot and eliminating the NFC team at the same time is just – music to my ears. So just seeing them, they only lost in eight, 12 games that we've played NFC teams the last two seasons. We've won 11 of them. So this is Matt LaFleur's uh, he's the daddy right now in the NFC North. So seeing him continue that all the way through week 17 this year was, uh, was fantastic. And we started off by kicking the Vikings butt and we finished it by kicking the bears butt. Yeah. And obviously it's always fun to see Adrian Amos get an interception against yeah. his former team because he's not a playmaker and ha, ah, Clinton Dix is better, but we're out of time for today's show. Thank you guys for joining us and sitting through with everything. Thank you to everybody that sent questions. We appreciate those. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jacob Westendorf and we're starting to transition a little bit over at game on Wisconsin into the draft season. So you will catch me on Wednesday nights with Jacob Morley starting this week, uh, doing our draft related show. So that should be a lot of fun and you can find Jimmy, Find me at Jimmy underscore C zero eight. I'll have my articles and everything that I do for Packer report and for game on posted onto Twitter. So as long as you follow me there, you'll see all of my stuff. So there you have that. And uh, Jimmy real quick, I guess we, it's almost like we're obligated to pick the winner of the Super Bowl. So who wins on Sunday? Chiefs. I want the chiefs. Well, I didn't ask who you want it. I said, gonna <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to go with the chiefs. Uh, I, Mahomes is just, yeah, and this is coming from a Rodgers fan, and you're going to agree he's the he's the best quarterback in the NFL. He has incredible weapons. Tyree Kill uh, is a human cheetah. Travis Kelsey's impossible to guard, so I just don't see them being able to shut that down. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I'm picking Tampa Bay. Ah. I, I think that Kansas City is going to struggle on the offensive line. I think Pierre Paul and Shaq Barrett have a good opportunity. Vita Vey has a couple other weeks removed from his injury. And Damakong Sue, obviously, and the luck that is Tom Brady. I mean, Tom Brady can throw three interceptions in an NFC championship game and his team still wins. So it's unfortunate. It's disgusting. But I like Tampa Bay to be the first team to host a game in their home stadium for a Super Bowl and to win it. But we're out of time. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Appreciate it. We'll see you next week as we're officially into the offseason after this. Thanks for listening as always. And go Paco.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.